Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly award-winning live-streamed now podcast where we talk about the Bible, make a playlist, and occasionally do an ambitious 54-hour live stream. I'm Matt Cato, pastor of St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry in California. And I'm Zach Paris, I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. Zach, we're live on YouTube. We're live on YouTube. As soon as I pressed record, you started sounding like trash. Uh, things are going great. <laughs> great. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, I hope this turns out then. Maybe the recording will be good. I hope. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Zach, we just finished uh 54-hour live stream. That's right. Uh, in which you did a lot of work. Are you recovered? How are you feeling about it? What's the debrief? Oh, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm more concerned now that I don't have something to distract myself, uh, from the, the, uh, emptiness of life with, uh, and by emptiness, I mean the chaotic void, like it's not empty at all. Uh, no, it was fantastic. It was lovely. Um, I can't wait to do it for the vigil of Pentecost. Um, <laughs> uh, wild, you know, really wild, uh, uh, to see um, what was most impressive, I think I mentioned it at some point during 54 hours, is how it became like a living, breathing thing for a couple of days, uh, which is kind of like, you know, resurrection story there. The dry bones all of a sudden took on a life of their own and uh, miraculously stood up and walked around for three days. So really cool to to, to bear witness to that. Yeah. Had a couple yeah, nap days um, afterwards to help recover, yeah. but... <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. One of the, um, somebody sent us a, a screenshot of one of the bishops had commented, uh, the, a dying church doesn't do things like this, which I thought was, uh, really cool and kind of ties into what you were saying. It was a living, breathing thing. Right. Right. How was your, uh, I, I feel like I was so enmeshed in what was going on. I didn't have much distance or perspective on what was happening. Uh, what was, I mean, not that you had a ton of distance, uh, you, you had three hours of content you provided. I, I got texts today congratulating me on how great things went. I said, thanks. I did a lot of work on that. Yeah, um, I am. You know, I was really, was that, no, I was a long Bishop guy texted uh, you? Uh, <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh. Uh, no, I, uh. Yeah, no, I was grateful to be along for the ride. Uh, like you said, this is a this is a weird time of um, a chaotic void of trying to refigure out your. Well, I know that you wouldn't say your vocation is the work that you do all the time, but like, what's what? I get up in the morning, like, what am I going to do today? Uh, and it just looks very different. So, for me, I've been trying to balance uh, all these different things out and uh, hold on to the chaos as best I can. And in the midst of it, providing three hours of of content, um, yeah, it was super fun. I mean, it was great to. Uh, I mean, one of them was our team. Uh, one of them was, uh, well, your your team, really. <laughs> one of them was the our Bible preacher podcast, which mm-hmm. uh, the unique thing about it. I mean, we do it every week, but this time we had a like a little community of people commenting along the way, which just made it kind of uh, lively in a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of fun. And then, uh, yeah, I, you know, I did this visual with St. Mark's, which ended up being, uh, 
super stressful in the lead up, which just felt right because it just doesn't feel like Holy Week if I don't try mm-hmm. to do something that's going to stress me out. So like, I struggled to try to figure out the video. I had I had made this uh, video of the fiery furnace story that I was really proud of, and then realized, uh, hey, uh, every time I try to play a video over Zoom, it doesn't work. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And literally, like, hours before we were set to go on, I realized there's a little button you can click that says optimize for video sharing. <laughs> and I had never clicked that before. Huh. <laughs> and once I clicked it, started working. So uh, that's cool. And then I rewatched the video I had made. I didn't like the way that I had played Nebuchadnezzar. I felt like I was a little <laughs> over the top. So I, about Did two hours before showtime, I re- I reshot all my scenes, uh, re-edited them into the into the film, uh, and then uh, and then we were good. We we're good to go. We did a little rehearsal at like, let's see, we ran at four, so we did a little rehearsal at three. <laughs> and I was like, we're gonna You're like Kanye is putting together a life of Pablo. It's great. It's almost it ready. Great. It's almost ready. Just wait. <laughs> but it was really. I mean, uh, the hour went by fast, and it was really cool to be able to have like. Um, I had Nate from from camp come in and do a song that was really nice. I had Tyra come and do a song, and some of those things just aren't possible with our usual worship services, right? And so being able to have people dial in from wherever they happen to be just made some things possible that wouldn't otherwise have been possible, um, and that was uh, that was really fun. So, yeah, the other thing I think uh, that I've been carrying with me is this uh, idea. I can't remember who said it on the. Um, the closing celebration toast with just this idea that uh, even if you didn't watch all 54 hours <laughs> straight, uh, that there was just some sense that like somebody was there, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody was, was on uh, and you knew that you could check in and, and have something happening that you could connect with during, during those three days. And uh, such a powerful thing I hadn't thought of, but experienced, even if I wouldn't have put words to it. So yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. There's so much good stuff, too, that you all can go back. Um, I mean, there's some just incredible musical performances. Uh, you know, Rundman and, and Rachel Kurtz and uh, Tiro, uh, John Herman. Like, it's you got like six, seven, eight hours of like really good music you can listen to. Um, I was always where I found myself uh, when I was listening or checking in. I had to fight like the pastor urge to uh <laughs> I just wanted to like reflect for 20 or 25 minutes on like what had just happened. Uh, but we had to keep it moving. <laughs> I want to do mystagogy. So super Eastery. So it's yeah. very much an experience, you know, uh, which is, you know, a big deal for me to get to have, uh, at least personally, an experience of Easter uh, end of the three days. Yeah. Yeah. I was amazed, like you said, there, like just some incredible musical performances. I was really amazed at like Tyra, um, obviously. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and I even talked Tyra into doing my favorite song, which uh, still grateful to watch Tyra. She she literally like sat at the piano for an hour waiting for her <laughs> time to sing, and I still feel bad. Like I still feel bad about it. She wasn't mad at all. She was really gracious, but I feel bad that she sat there and waited so patiently. Um, I was amazed by the things that worked right. Where so like, like I tried to like I was like oh my god I gotta fill an hour. I had to come up with like all kinds of like crazy stuff to like fill that hour. Um, whereas one of the last presenters, Clark Brown, just literally sat by a fire. And read stories out of the book and it worked like I was like I, I'm actually this is what I want right now actually Damn. you know like 
<laughs> so a vast variety of things uh, could work well, and it was really cool to see that. Yeah, just so cool. Like, I mean, in it, uh, what I am, what impresses me about what happened that 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 maybe we get a part of the credit for is how it all. It did take on like I mean I'm just saying it over and over again, but it did take on a life of its own. Uh, I don't know that it that it's really clear that the project started like from zero about two and a half weeks before it, the stream started, right? Like, like two and a half weeks before then, Manda texted me and was like, Hey, what if we did project for awesome for the three days? And then we had to spend a couple of days trying to figure out, like we knew it was a good idea, but, but I have lots of ideas that aren't, you shouldn't do right. That are good ideas. Right. So we had to like discern that. And then we're like, all right, all we need is, 54 people. We did back it down from 72, <laughs> which was good. Uh, but it happened, right? And it's not like we like carefully, yeah. we started with some idea of of having a mixture and wanting to program it, but quickly that devolved and there was no like real strategic programming to like, well, we want, we want, we need somebody sitting by a pool reading in a fire, reading uh, stories <laughs> right, here. Right, and we, right. it just happened. Uh, and so much cool stuff just happened the i was most nervous yeah. uh the biggest issue we ran into uh was children's books man uh to go behind the curtain here Wait, reading I can't, I can't read the. i was gonna read a children's version of today's story but i can't you can do that as do long that. as you don't pick up a book and put it in front of the camera that's what we think uh there are uh, copyright a claims on nearly all of the live streams at this point uh none of them have been pulled down because it None of the streams are monetized is the main thing. So we're not making money off of anybody's right. copywritten music and stuff. Uh, but Tim Brown's hour, Brenda Boss's and Sarah Pearson's hours have been lost to time and space uh, due to uh, YouTube cracking the whip, which I, I appreciate. I understand, you know, uh, it's important that creators get compensated fairly. Uh, best we can tell, though, uh, it's because Sarah Pearson was reading children's books with her son uh and it was lovely and soothing i got to watch part of it uh but i think the youtube algorithm yeah. like is like programmed to see people c continue like can tell if you're holding a book up because musical claims it takes a while for it to like figure it out because it has to cross-reference it with like all copyrighted music so it takes yeah. the bots a while uh i think it can just recognize that you're doing this uh and yet that's most that's likely copyrighted crazy. stuff uh, so Border so, Patrol shut it down and Children's Books <laughs> Publishers shut it down. Wow. So I'm grateful that when Chris read Our Girls a Children's Book, she held it in her lap where you couldn't see it. And maybe that's what when that's how we skimmed by. We all the kind of host people who've had to deal who had to deal with those issues were on uh were watching the stream when you all were going as we got closer to the end. And when Chris started reading a, uh, a book, our group text just blew up. We're like, somebody talk to Matt. They can't. She can't. Tell them not to pick the book up. We can't. <laughs> Nothing made us more nervous than I was woken up in the middle of the night because of a children's book. It may have been the middle of the night. It was during one of my like three hour naps I got to take. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. If you missed any of the 54 hours, you can go over to the vinylpreacher.com and go to the Tritum Project and uh, you can find direct links to each of the segments, except, of course, uh, Tim Brown's, Brenda Boss's, Sarah Pearson's. Um, but every other, uh, all 51 others, and 52, if you count the, the toast at the end, are available. And you don't got to search for anything. You just click and boop. 
There you go. Yeah, people are really, I think people are really, uh, really happy about that uh, because it was like, you know, I got a lot of comments where it was like, is this going to be saved somewhere? Uh, it's hard to keep up with. Even if we didn't have services at our own church, a lot of people had their own things they had to do during Holy Week. Mm-hmm. So to have, to be able to go back now and check some of those things out that I missed, I'm excited about that. It's good. Right. I'm going to do better at trivia this time. My second time through. <laughs> I have some quibbles, but are you going to do better at the role playing game? I only watched about half an hour of the, how many hours did you <laughs> three play? hours? Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to do any better. Uh, <laughs> we did pretty well. That was actually, it was good fun. It was good fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. It looks fun. Just watching it. It looks fun. Mm. Mm. Matt, I'd like to offer one observation of uh, my quarantine life here as we enter, uh, come to the end of week five for me. Uh, and that's my new favorite part of this is anytime the front door to our house opens or closes or the garage door opens or our, one of our cars starts, uh, the adult in the house who's not doing that will race to wherever the source of that sound is, to the front door, to make sure that the other person is not leaving. Uh <laughs> And and to find out if they are leaving, making sure that they promise to come back. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't leave me here. Is the right things have been um, going great? Yeah, I hear that. Uh, I feel like we're we're finally settling into a little bit of a rhythm. We have a little we have a little schedule that we velcro on mommy's face or daddy's face for huh. each segment mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, Typically, I take mornings. First six evenings, my mornings are often filled with some Sesame Street. We did Molly of Denali uh, was on yesterday. She's we pretty good. A little. So I was like, hey, Zelma watches this. Zelma watches it, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Molly was making beaded, a beaded, she was making like a beaded dream catcher. Hmm. And the girls got like a beaded necklace maker for Easter. So I was like, oh, look, Molly of Denali just made this beaded craft. Nice. Would you guys like to now in the real world make a beaded craft? And they said, no, we want to watch another one. <laughs> so, you know, best laid plans. Matt, our preschool does uh, once a week, does a Google Hangout with the whole class. Nice. No, it's awful, Matt. Nobody <laughs> wants this. <laughs> Right. Like, I don't know if this has been your experience, but like my my child will not participate in like a Zoom or Google Hangout for more than three minutes. And then so all, the, you all the parents are like trying to like oh, answer the teacher now. Like we've got like say hola. It's, it's a bilingual one. Right. Yeah. And all of us are in the background like like. It shows up on the schedule and you're like, oh, that'll keep her attention for 30 minutes and I can like do something. No, it's like the worst <laughs> part of my day because I'm like, somebody's watching me parent. That's basically what it is. Right, <laughs> right, right. Somebody's it's watching just so parent. that the school feels yeah. like they're doing something. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say uh, homeschooling success that, that we have had. This is vinyl preacher related. We mm-hmm. do a letter of the week. Uh, this week's letter is W. Maybe you saw this. I did a couple of W words. Window, watermelon. Water, very baptismal. Mm-hmm. And then I did uh, Willie Nelson. I drew a picture of Willie Nelson <laughs> in chalk, and I've been teaching my children about Willie Nelson songs. Rustin Comer thought I also should have drawn weed. That was that's gonna... a Willie Nelson related item. I did it's not true. I did no. not draw mm-hmm. that. So, you know, W is for Willie. I know you thought I only did U for U2, but I did do <laughs> W for Willie Nelson. Um, next week is X, and I'm just not yet sure which artist hmm. I'm going to go with. 
Do you have any suggestions? Exhibit from Pim Harad. <laughs> I was I was thinking about Lil Nas X, but mm-hmm. I think no, I, I think you're right. The early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, reference definitely more our speed. <laughs> if I were to ever become like if they if they messed up the the decimals and the commas on my stimulus check, and I'd instantly become like wealthy, one of the things I would do is buy one of the pimped out rides. <laughs> <laughs> like a fish tank in the back in an outdated gaming system like built into the car that you can't take out and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good idea mm-hmm. yeah uh last night matt i thought we would we've been having i was on a call with a colleague the other day and uh they were complaining that one of their children is crying almost every day uh one of their younger kids and i was like wow how do you get to that level because once a day would be pretty pretty good um, uh, um, among our problems, and this one's the one that bothers us the most, is that we're having trouble going to sleep at night. Uh, and so that slowly eats into the, the few sacred hours where I could, like, watch a show that has some level of violence and stuff in it and, and language and, and, and nudity. Uh, but I can't do that when you stay up till 930 because that means I've got, like, 45 minutes before I'd really need to be asleep. Um so I thought, hey, this is me. This is me trying, like trying to integrate my gifts, all that kind of stuff, right? So we set up, uh, we're going to do Vespers, right, at night. Uh, we've enjoyed singing. You did not. Vespers. Mm-hmm. So wow. downstairs, wow. we turn the lights off. We lit some candles, right? Because fire works. Fire works, Matt. You know that. Uh, Zoma got to light, light some of the candles off of her, off of a candle. Uh, I got out the musical instruments, Right, we're going to sing a couple songs. We're going to read out of the Spark Bible, uh, and Matt, it's Still do it on air. What's that? Yeah, I didn't do it on air. I didn't record this. Still do it on air. Uh, and it started off incredibly, Matt. Uh, my beloved daughter uh, was like, "Oh, this is this is really fun. This is great." You know, she sits down. She's sitting in her mom's lap while we're starting to sing these songs, and um, and she's doing a kind. Of, she says like to her, she like stops us and is like. This has just been the best day. And you're like, oh, this is freaking killing it, right? And then we're singing the parts, and there's kind of like some back and forth, and she's doing this cute thing where, like, she's, like, singing the response after we sing the response. So it's, like, triple layered now, right? But she's into it and stuff, right? And then we get to, like, the Magnificat, and she says, I'm going to sing my own words now. Uh, And just, like, belts out insane song on top of it. And then it's like, Mom, I'm going to jump from here to the couch. And it's just like a monster. <laughs> like she just metamorphosizes completely into an insane person. And we still had all the same issues going to sleep. But I put effort in. I put effort in. You did. That's impressive. Vespers with a three-year-old. It's impossible. Well, Matt. Well, speaking of fire fire do we have a text for you tell me about it man uh so i mean first of all uh the bone to pick with the lectionary writers uh even though we took time on our podcast to uh denigrate the narrative lectionary which i know some folks were <laughs> unhappy about because there's some people still out there standing for the narrative lectionary you can stand uh, for it it's just not narrative like you we, just gotta you gotta you must just, acknowledge that it doesn't we, it's not exclusively we, narratives we 
we are ride or die with the uh, revised Carbon Lectionary, even though uh, I'm still going to criticize it. I don't like here I am. I've got my commentary on Matthew. I've been reading through Matthew. And I know we're going to go to John sometimes in Lent and Easter. So, okay, I got John ready. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we take this sharp left turn into Luke for the third Sunday of Easter. Why would we do Luke? Turn. Why don't we do Luke in year C when we have been reading all the Luke context? Why are you suddenly pulling Luke into year A? I don't, I don't really understand it. But if you're going to pull anything from Luke into any year, uh, it's got to be this one, right? This is like the one you got to pull. Story. Yeah. This is it. We I mean, just veer right across that we oncoming traffic. Like, like I know we do uh, quote unquote doubting Thomas every year. Why don't we do this one every year? This could be the third Sunday of Easter every this year. Is better than doubting Thomas in my humble uh, yeah, right? opinion. <laughs> right? Oh, it's so good. So it is, of course, uh, Luke 24, 13 to 35, uh, the road to Emmaus. What do you think? You like this story? Love it. Matt, love it. Um, so on uh, that same day, do you know what day we're talking about here, Matt? What day? Uh, we're what talking day? about the day of the resurrection, right? So oh the timeline is all out of out of joint here. I believe last week we talked about the eighth day because uh, it was like uh, it was on the eighth day in the in the in the the Greek, but not in the English. Uh, but here we're still in the resurrection. This is immediately after you got to remember in Luke, there is no resurrected Jesus up to this point. There's only an empty tomb. The women see it. Peter is particularly faithful and sticks around. Uh, but the women run on their way. Uh, Jesus has gone on ahead of you is the, what they're supposed to tell the disciples. An angel meets them at the empty tomb. Uh, and so it's on that same day, later on that day, two of Jesus disciples are going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles. Uh, I believe it's North from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all these things that had happened. Uh, and while they were talking and discussion, discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. Uh, but interesting way to word it. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It's unclear who kept their eyes, what kept their eyes. Uh, things you want to play with. Uh, I love The lasers the, weren't working? The laser eyes were not working. There were some shields around Jesus that keep those lasers off of him. And so he shows up and starts walking alongside of them. As random strangers do, he kept his distance, I suspect. Uh, and Jesus said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? Which would be a strange way to state that to, you know, lots of people walking around these days. Just walk up next to somebody and say, what were you discussing as you walked along? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people walking around my neighborhood now just for exercise. And I thought about maybe I should just kind of sidle up next to them <laughs> and ask this question. Mm -hmm. That's how my sermon is going to start for the Sunday. So I've been asking people. <laughs> uh, and so uh one of them cleopas 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 answered him are you the only stranger in jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days and he asked them what things and they replied the things about jesus of nazareth who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before god and all the people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him oh uh, and here's another there's this what, why this is better than Thomas are the just the hits after hits after hits. This is an album of a song. Uh, you know, the lines keep coming. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. And moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning and they did not find his body there. And they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see him. And then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then Luke does his best impression of John, or maybe John is doing his impression of Luke. He interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And again, want to note, we didn't write these parts down. This seems like important part to write down in the book here, but they did not write that down. They just included a line that he then interpreted everything about him in the scriptures. And so finally, Matt, they come to a village. They came to Emmaus. And Jesus walked on ahead as if he was going to keep going. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. It's almost the evening. The day is now over. And so Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them. Did you sing that at your Vespers or your, your Compline? Stay with us now for it is evening. Stay with us. Isn't that stay with us a Tuesday one? Yeah. Remain for it is evening. And the day is almost over. I'm doing the, over. I'm doing the Holden verse, I think. Let your light scatter the darkness and shine within your people here. I think we did do that one. Um, we did not do stay with me. Stay with me, not with us. Remain here with me, uh, which is more of a, uh, you know, the garden, Gethsemane kind of a song. So he went to stay with him and he was at the table. He took bread, blessed it, broke it and gave it to them. And then finally their eyes were opened. And here uh, they recognized him and he vanishes from their sights. Uh, and I get a little confused here. He just <laughs> he interprets to them the things about himself in all the scriptures, Matt. But they don't. They still don't know it's Jesus. That's an important, like the reveal doesn't happen yet. It feels like it does in the narrative, uh, but the reveal doesn't happen until they break the bread. Uh, moves yeah. from a brain thing, right, to a tangential experience thing, uh, which is where I'm probably going to go here. Uh, but then he vanishes from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and while he was opening the scriptures to us? And that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road. Oh, Cormac McCarthy. And then, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to, praise to you, O Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. Or else. <laughs> Zach, I just caught on to something as you were saying that, like where the reveal, you said where the reveal happens and who the reveal happens to. The apocalypse. Uh, this is kind of, I mean, this is kind of fascinating, right? So like if you're hearing this story, like if this story is being heard orally or if you're reading it now in the 21st century, uh, you know it's Jesus by verse 15, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. different ways you could tell a story. Like like it could wait till the end. You're like, oh, it was Jesus the whole time. I didn't mm -hmm. know. But like only the characters in the story have that experience. As a reader, you're told right away, like this yeah. is who this is. And you know that these other characters are being kept in the dark about it, which is a really interesting narrative choice. How, okay. Like, what do you make of that? Yeah, I think that I think what make will make this Easter season uh, particularly <laughs> interesting is that it's going to continue to have a lot of the notes from which makes sense, you know, if we're going to make a musical metaphor here, the notes from Lent, or those Advent notes, uh, did not disappear on Easter Sunday. They continue and move us into the season. And and uh, as silly as it might be that, that to think that Jesus had a force field around him and that the laser eyes of the disciples could not tell who he was, um, I think the story is doing its best. It trying to to 
to describe Jesus and, and God, the holy, the sacred as a veiled thing uh, with that apocalypse, right? Apocalypse means unve- or unveiling, right? And perhaps the choice of the, of the writer here of immediately identifying Jesus uh, comes from a respect for the, un- <laughs> the unknowable because of the way it, it get- <sighs> yeah. Does that make some kind of sense? Yeah. yeah. I just, I think it's such an interesting narrative choice. Like he wants you to know where she wants you to know uh, that this is Jesus as you're hearing the story, but also wants you to know that like, there are going to be, there are going to be times when you don't recognize Jesus. And there are going to be times when, when those around you don't recognize Jesus. And that's enti- an entirely normal experience. Yeah. <laughs> right. And be prepared. If you're waiting for a revelation, like this is where it's going to happen. Like here's the signpost you should be looking for. Breaking yeah. of bread. Boom. It's just, it's really interesting. It's fascinating. Oh. Heard this story a million times. Hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. That's why we put it the vinyl preacher. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to write it to be a compelling, like, narrative uh you'd hide jesus until the unveil unveiling right because you've already done that right like in the, in the lead up to this there's no jesus there like there's no jesus at the tomb mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like this is the this is luke's revelation of the resurrected jesus and he just immediately says it was jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i'm gonna go here matt i um um one of the things i did on easter uh, is we watched part of the John Legend uh, uh, Jesus Christ oh, Superstar. Yeah. And um, I normally can't enjoy those things too much uh, because I get nerdy and picky about it and stuff, right? Uh, and right, they right. they got to the Judas part uh, and they like threw in the line where where uh, it's the Martha and Mary scene where uh, she like dumps the oil and washes Jesus' feet with her hair and stuff. And Judas is like, we could have fed the poor, uh, but they had the line like that's normally in parentheses that Judas did this because not because he cared for the poor, but because he was skimming off the top, you know, and and I find that to be like, it sounds like something you stuck in much later on. Right. Like, well, after the fact, it's only you put this in upon reflection. Right. Like you you didn't know this at the time. Um, and it's a little bit of character assassination of, of Judas. Um a part of this story, I think importantly, feels and reads that same way, that that there's the story that's happening, but then there's also this layer of the story's also being told uh, in reflection upon what has happened, uh, which leads me to my favorite Emmaus quote, Matt. Uh, I've probably done this every single time uh, that we have, uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, there you go. Uh talked about Emmaus, but there's a novel called Emmaus published by McSweeney's by Alessandro Barico uh, that has this beautiful quote uh, that I'm going to read again uh, that is, how for so long could we know nothing of what was and yet sit at the table of everything and every person met on the road? Small hearts, we nourish them on grand illusions, and at the end of the process, we walk like the disciples in Emmaus, blind, alongside friends and lovers we don't recognize, trusting in a God who no longer knows about himself. And for this reason, we are acquainted with the beginning of things, and later we experience their end. But we always miss their heart. We are dawn and epilogue, forever belated discovery. Um... Oh, and I love that line, forever belated discovery, uh, to, to speak that into the experience of the disciples on Emmaus, 
to say mm-hmm. they did not know what was going on. And they've only been able to figure out this much through their belated discovery. Great answer to your beautiful quote. Yeah, fantastic. And that how yeah. much of, of us right now, my internet experience, I'm starting to be like, well, when, when it's been five weeks now, when... What's the future going to look? What what is what's happening right now? What is it? I want I want to know about what's happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. And a part of this story, I think, is to say that it's okay not to know what's happening right now, and that you can't, in some sense, ever know what's happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. That it is the experience itself that deserves mystagogy in the future. Yeah. But that but that Jesus yeah. opens their mind to understand the scriptures. <laughs> But it's yeah. not that that opens their eyes, right? Their eyes, Jesus is only unveiled in the experience well, itself of eating the bread. Yeah, well, amen to that too. Yeah. I mean, this is like another way that the story is told that I, that I think is is relevant to what you're saying. It doesn't at some point say, like it doesn't say, uh, Jesus starts talking to them and then their hearts start burning within them mm-hmm. and they felt their hearts burning within them. It's like at the end of the story, they say, oh yeah, as they're looking back, yeah. we're not our hearts seems like that's something you might notice in the moment, but, uh, but no, sometimes that's not how life works, right? It's only in that reflection afterwards that you can make sense of the experience. Uh, and that's also an interesting narrative choice that tells us something about the life of faith. So, yeah. Perhaps it's the good news that, uh, if I, if I had to, to fashion this into some good news, um, I think the good news is that no matter whether your eyes are opened or your eyes are kept from seeing, it's not your seeing, uh, the work of God doesn't depend on your seeing uh, that even when you cannot see Jesus is there uh, walking with you. Yeah. In and among you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Love this story. Uh, This story. I remember in seminary professors love this story because it was so Eucharistic. Uh, But in my ministry, I found the fire to be the one that I keep coming back to that little image Mm -hmm. of the hearts burning within them. Uh, this is the text that I used for the best Easter sermon that I ever preached. I think it was the year that uh, y'all came mm. uh, to visit, and I preached about the different things that had happened. It was basically doing mystagogy on the three days, but I would say, and this amazing thing happened. But then when, instead of saying, and it was amazing, I said, and my heart started to burn within me. And it felt like it was the thing that we all kind of could connect with, right? And you yeah. start to think about it. And it was, I was doing a thing that like happens in the text, but also I think... Anyway, every, every once in a while you preach a good one. So I, it's one of those that I keep coming back to, too, if I have to, like, I was up at camp. Hey, we need you to preach a sermon. I go, okay. And I use this text because it's yeah. my favorite text, right? And uh, it became the text that then was on our uh, youth ministry T-shirts. We'd made a word cloud of the words in this story in the shape of a fire emoji uh, because it just uh, it works. It works for so many different things. So fantastic text buried here on the third Sunday of Easter. It right. should be the Easter Sunday text. Or we're just the second Sunday every year. (laughs) And to make plain uh, things we've been talking about, uh, you know, Easter, um, I'm a big fan of the the adult catechumenate. And within that uh, tradition, within the Christian tradition, it emphasizes the Christian tradition that sees the period of Easter, the 50 days of Easter, as a time of reflection on the events of Easter. Um, So very appropriate time to do reflection. Awesome. Well, what are we listening to? Man, there's such good songs for this. Uh, I picked some good ones. I've been listening to a ton of good music lately, playing some music. Uh, but I'm going to start, Matt. They've got a new album coming out, and I'm excited for it. It's been a while. Uh, the Magnetic Fields have a new album coming out. But I'm going to go back Ooh. to Realism, 
uh, which is a t fantastic. If you're just getting started with the metadata fields, uh, realism is a great place to start, but they have a song called walk a lonely road, uh, walk a lonely road with me and I will walk with you half as lonely. We will be when we walk as two. And if the road goes straight uphill, we'll admire the view, walk a lonely road with me and I will walk with you. Uh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Uh, but then Matt, I've been falling in love with Clem Snide and Clem Snide's latest album, uh, some ghost, uh, and oh gosh, again, produced by, uh, Scott Avett and has Scott Avett on, on a lot of vocals, but the third or fourth track on the album is called forever just beyond. And it's profound and good, right? Oh, God is simply that which lies forever just beyond the limits of what we already seem to know. It's perfect. I want you to know, like an invitation, we have only questions. Bless these limitations. Uh, it's it's robust theological song and beautiful and sad, uh, which uh, if you're not listening to sad songs right now, when else would you listen to sad songs? Finally, uh, off of Angel Olsen's latest album, All Mirror. Angel Olsen's latest album, Matt. Have you listened to it? It sounds nothing like anything she's done before. Like there's an orchestral score to it. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, but a song called All Mirrors. Uh, all this trouble trying to catch right up with me. I keep moving, knowing someday that I will be standing, facing. All mirrors are erasing, losing beauty. At least at times it knew me. At least at times it knew me. Uh, that ephemeral experience with the truth, the sacred, the holy with God. Uh, listen to uh, All Mirrors as you, you, you experience it. Fantastic. Good stuff. Good uh, rock and roll music. <laughs> Speaking of that reference, uh, Michael Sight putting on music. Backyard barbecue is going to happen. Oh, man, I mean, I'd love it for it to be REM songs, but uh, I will take Michael Stipe singing just about anything. So mm -hmm. I am uh, grateful that I'm new Michael Stipe music. He, uh, he's he got a song called Drive to the Ocean that is on Spotify. You can find it. It's been released, Drive that. to the Ocean. Uh, and there's a song for the road uh, as well. So I'm going to put that on there. Um, and then uh, of an apocalyptic song, since you said uh, Cormac McCarthy, when we got to on the road we'll do an apocalyptic song uh from johnny cash and u2 called the wanderer because you know you're not getting out of here without a u2 song and then finally oldie but a goodie james taylor fire and rain mm. <laughs> because it says i mean here you get the fire right uh and you also get this looking back with all the mixed emotions and anguish uh in your heart uh but also this idea of seeing right that i've seen a fire and i've seen rain and i always thought that i'd see you Again, listen to that for your Road to Emmaus story. And Fire and Rain is a song, um, right? Is that the right one? It's a song. In my mind. Anyway, I think uh, I'm going to make a jump here as, a, as, a, as an amateur pop musicologist in North Carolina. Uh, an important part of James Taylor's life is the time he spent in the Broughton uh, 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 Mental Health uh, Sanitarium. Uh, he was uh, hospitalized for mental health issues. And so in my mind, uh, it's clearly a reflection on that. But I think Fire and Rain is also a reflection on that experience. So more reflection on these deep, transformative ah, experiences. Love it. Well, man, it's been live. <laughs> it's been live vinyl. <laughs>